0: Welcome along to the Rock and Goal podcast and we're very much back to full strength this week for a bumper edition. My name is Fraser Clark, and joining me is the fit again Chris McMillan and our new January edition Mr Jack Crawford. We'll also be joined by former Suns boss Stevie Aitken to reflect on a memorable and tumultuous tenure at The Rock. But first we'll look back on the games that have taken place since our last podcast back in early January. And that was, a, that was a stressful one to record. Firstly, because the podcast machine kept cutting out. Secondly, because both of you called off on me with medical emergencies. <laughs> and third of all, because there was a pitch inspection taking place for arguably Dumbarton's biggest game of the season whilst I was sat opposite the manager. How hey, was that for you? Not as stressful as it was for him. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I'm very, very glad that we're back to sort of more relaxed circumstances and barring an, a freak downpour, Dumbarton will play and an athletic today. We'll start by taking a wee look back over the month that, that was January though, and well, it started in fairly uh, forgettable circumstances up at Station Park and in Forfar, and that 2-1 defeat where sons went down to 10 men after 12 minutes with Ryan McGeever sent off. Ben Armour scored his customary goal and then doubled it yeah. to take his career tally to about 50% against the <laughs> Martin. Chris might have that noted down somewhere, and if he doesn't, he will do by the next time we play Forfar, and he's laughing because he does. And uh, Ali Love's penalty after some jibes from Mark Doherty, which sort of created a bit of beef between them, which was quite entertaining, uh, half their ears, but Sons lost out 2 1. Uh, Jack, first of all, that four for game. Aye, how how do you reflect on it now a month later?
1: Oh to be I wasn't at that one. That's one of the ones I've given best this season. Um, I was still in my sick bed after my surgery. Um so but going into the game, I just thought it was the type of game that I don't like it at all. Um, the way fourth we were going at that point, they kind of had the new manager bounce. I think we've been quite unlucky in that regard. We keep playing teams that getting new managers in three, four weeks in. You're kind of they're putting a stamp on the team. Um, they're kind of playing to that manager's strengths and fourth at that at point at that point. The early draw have yourselves it didn't help. Um, we're up against it from there. Um, just didn't seem to get going. I don't know. I didn't even watch the highlights to be honest with that game. Um, I don't know if two one was maybe. Fortunate for us, could it have been more? Or?
0: Yeah, I think t- 2-1 was probably about the best possible outcome in yeah. that game, to be fair. I mean, Suns maybe could have snatched something, but I think if Hawford won that game 3-0, 3-1... No complaints. I, I don't think it would have been too many complaints. They actually did score a third goal, sort of, because uh, as the final whistle went, Nathan Flanagan launched one from halfway, and Brett Long, obviously, was well, the final whistle had pretty much been blown, so he wasn't paying full attention, and it actually went over his head and into the net okay. as the full-time whistle was blown. Brett won't thank me for uh, mentioning that one, but if you watch the highlights, just skip right to the end and I think it's Nathan Flanagan just like as the referee blows his whistle, he just launches one from the halfway line right into the back of the net. So
1: That goal could be so crucial coming in the season. Goal difference (laughs) and all that.
0: (laughs) If we win the league (laughs) by one One goal, goal. (laughs) Sterling Albion are going to be looking (laughs) for that referee. Chris, from your point of view, uh, you obviously saw Forfer here in November very early after the Ray McKinnon appointment and they held sons to that 2-0 draw. First of all, they seem somewhat of a bogey team for Dumbarton. But second of all, just how impressed have you been by Ray McKinnon since he came in?
2: Well, second... First of all, I should say, I'm looking up Ben Armour for you here and those, st- those stats on the goals. And... Where are we? I think... Right, here we go. Here we go. He scored Five, a couple of for ahead as well, yeah. wasn't he? Against yep. the Five player. goals in seven games. And two, four, six, seven, eight elsewhere.
1: Yeah. I mean, so... So Thirteen career goals and five against. Yeah, Lumbart. and they've, yeah. All,
0: they've all been in victories as well. Yeah, that's correct.
1: <laughs> that is absolutely ridiculous. But ha- how many four demot and here?
2: Would <laughs> so that be a big round number? <laughs> 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 uh, but uh, it's not. Um, it's not unexpected, as you said. Um, yeah, I, a bogey team like I. I didn't get to. Um, really speak about the the 4-4 game that we watched here when it was a draw and because i missed that podcast as well and i like i didn't really know what to expect Uh, i've not seen as much of them as as you but um i mean it was so long ago i can can actually (laughs) barely remember the game um, we gifted them, a like, goal, oh, didn't we? Uh, yeah. To put in McCluskey put it in and sort of gifted a real mess at message back. that. yeah. yeah. That, that's right. Yeah. That, that was that was odd, that wasn't it? It's yeah. like it almost felt like Dumbarton just kind of like threw that one away. And yeah. like I remember that McCluskey goal, and I remember st- stood there and when I was when I was commentating, and I was just like, "How in earth? Wh- like where did that come from? Mm. How did that happen?" He almost just sort of like looked up, and then he was, you know, one yard <laughs> up <laughs> with, with an open goal just to tap in, um, but. So, uh, it was a difficult one, but uh, uh, when you get a new manager coming in, and he's probably by his, I would imagine his opinion, you know, he's, he's taken a bit of a step down to, to come here and get this team going again. and uh, they've, they've certainly done that, but I think from a Dumbarton perspective, like, we've spoken about it as well, like, even if it is a bogey team, like, they're going to lose games um, before the end of the season, and it's just about putting that behind them and, and getting on with it which I think they, they, they've obviously done coming back into the league business as well. So
1: I think all the wins apart from one have just been by the odd goal so yeah. they, they're, they can only keep up you for so long you're going to get caught out eventually if you keep winning by the odd goal so um, obviously but the form they're on, lucky they came in a bit later than they did otherwise it'd be a three horse race maybe a tough top play rather than a two horse race.
0: My bold prediction which we like doing on this podcast is that FF for Athletic will finish no lower than third place this season I, I really yeah. think They've got a manager who knows what he's doing, who's okay, hugely unpopular in Greenock and hugely unpopular in Falkirk. But those aren't necessarily bad things, but you know, given the sort of difficulty those clubs are to manage, but I've been really, really impressed by Ray McKinnon. I've always quite liked him as a manager. Chris <laughs> rearranges the crockery that we have it with us here. The silverware. Um, I've always quite liked Ray McKinnon as a manager. I thought he did an excellent job at Raith Rovers going back mm. that'd be six, seven years ago now. And Feels like teams in this league, their team, any team, I think, such a cliche, but any team can be any team on their day in this league, and we've seen that right throughout the season. But I think Forfar have found that formula that Sons and that Starling Albion have got, where they know how to grind out results and they know how to get over the line and they know how to basically put wee runs together. And how many times did we say in commentary that? Dumbarton, it wasn't that Dumbarton last season needed to win nine straight games, they needed to run of maybe six games, three wins, three draws, and just build mm-hmm. a bit of momentum up. Forford have done that now.
2: And you mentioned with the league you don't think they've finished um, any, what did you say, any lower than third?
0: I think third will be the
2: lowest. Third will be actually. the lowest, but I mean, I, I, I think I could say that that's not that hot a take, like below Sterling Albion and Dumbarton it is quite congested. You see it with today's opponents with Annen, like you string together, a, what, two or three wins I think in a row and all of a sudden you're so sitting, you're sitting in it. third and aye you're right we said it and it, it, it's the case as I just said proved by Annen like you just need to keep put, putting together these like mini runs less than yeah. mini runs mm-hmm. and you'll be alright and they're probably in a position where if they can do that to the end of the season if they can finish third fourth get in the playoffs build a bit of confidence and then yeah, I, I, you get I, to go next season I
0: know that it's probably skewed by the fact that Dumbarton haven't beaten them this season but if Forfa end up in the playoffs and they can keep this momentum going, I fancy them massively for the yeah. playoffs, even if they come up against Sons or Sterling Albion, because I think whichever one of Dumbarton and Sterling Albion finishes second, assuming that it stays as tight as it They're is... They're going to be so deflated. It it be a uh, massive deflation. Mm-hmm. For Forfa, I mean, what, December time they were, right, 9th, 10th in the league, yeah. to get into the playoffs, they'll then, almost like Dumbarton did in twenty eleven, twelve. there's nothing to lose yeah. now. We've got the momentum. We believe that we've, we're a good enough team to do this. And, you know, with the sort of the nicest week possible the state of Peterhead and Clyde at the moment mm. I think any team finishing the playoffs in League 2 will fancy their chances
1: yeah. they've got a really good mix of players for for us I think as well just looking at the squad they've got uh, Mark Dockett as you said Kyle Hutton uh, Andy Munro Stephen McCluskey loads of experience but they've got the youth in there as well Kind of similar to Dunbarton I think they signed quite well in uh, January with Seb Ross who's got a couple of goals already so really we can get the best out of players like that I think and that experience is so crucial especially at League 2 level
0: talked a lot about Forfar, but this is a Dunbarton <laughs> podcast and uh, despite the fact that I do own a Baxter the Bridey toy uh, we won't stick with Forfar for too much longer we'll look a wee bit at Dunbarton and just one last thing to touch on from that game uh, was obviously Ryan McGeever's early red card he's now gone off on loan to Clyde and a move that I think everybody I've spoken to and my own words in the paper is a move that just makes sense for everyone
1: it does um, forfair, uh, Clyde are getting a really experienced player who's played at a, a higher level than they are at the moment than we are at the moment and um, and we're getting a player who's won this league this last season, the season before. So he's been there, done it. Um, obviously, we've got a fit centre-half coming in as opposed to Ryan McGeever, who's obviously, we know how talented he is, but he's been struggling since the injury to just get that done the games because the, the back line for the has been so good this season. And it's, it's not fair and it's impossible you know, to disrupt that when you're doing so well. So it makes sense to bring in Peter Grant. Um, the nice thing is, and we we'll are touch on it a bit more when we get to the end game, um, I wonder if we'll see kind of, him thrown on for the last five minutes a bit more. We never seen that much for Ryan McGeever just because I don't feel fast thought so it was fit enough to, to slow him on for periods like that. But I wonder if going to kinda of back five when they're trying to grind out a one goal victory. We might see that a bit more in the weeks ahead.
0: And Chris obviously like when you first came in and your first season in commentary was the Covid season obviously and that was the Morgan Neal Ryan McGever, almost impenetrable fortress at the back. Like the two of them were absolutely phenomenal that season. How optimistic are you that next season we'll see Ryan McGeever he's still under contract at Dumbarton, still club captain, he can come be a big player again.
2: Yeah, I was thinking that it's just it's one of those things in football, isn't it, you can never see you can never see the future and you don't know how it's gonna go and it can change so quickly. Like we spoke to him at the end of last season and he was like so happy to to remain here. He'd already signed a new contract when <clears throat> he didn't know what division Dumbarton were gonna be playing in. And I think he was he was well he was, he was happy about that. And yeah, he's just struggled with the injury. Faz has found a system when he's come down, he's moved Carswell back into, into centre-back and you know, as a manager and, and as a player for Carswell, like, neither of them have looked back and it's and when you're in that position, when you're on the sidelines with an injury and the, the manager just finds a system that works, it's so difficult to get back in.
1: Especially in that area of the park, it's something oh, yeah. that you
2: don't want to be talking and changing yeah. every week. And there's been no real injury and like you said, he's not really and um, being tempted to you know drop to a back five and throw on an extra center half to get him a, a few more minutes that maybe if that was the case closer to the start of the season that might have helped perhaps with the fitness in, in the long run but it, it's just the way it goes really and yeah it would be interesting to see where he sees himself next season um, but you know speaking for myself like I, I'd like to see him back but
1: yeah, no, matter, no, I'll leave it in I'd like to see him back And we know he can play At that level So hopefully I know he play I can get back an hour Last week for Clyde um, yep. obviously, As you say Duffy knows him well So um, no, hopefully, hopefully It's a move that works For everyone
0: after Defeat of Forfar came Defeat to Kilmarnock in the sort of heartbreaking circumstances that we're quite used to at Derek <laughs> McInnes' teams. It's funny, I was at Rugby Park, sat up at the back in the press box, and the, the Kelly boy beside me was going absolutely mental. I just turned around and said, don't worry, you'll score in the last five minutes. Derek McInnes' teams always do this to us. And i have been in the Aberdeen, you know, the main stand at Petrodery, when they have been in that sort of similar situation. Fans going mental. And I just go, I know what's coming. I know what's coming. You don't, you don't believe it's coming, but it is. It always happens. But a, a real... It was a sore one to take at the end, but after a really, really good performance, and not only did Suns defend as well as you have to do in a game like that, they also had chances of their own.
1: We did very good chances. Obviously, the one with Gregs on one that would stand out. I know he was offside. Um, I spoke to Farah the day after the game, and he said Greg misses it because... He's offside. If he's yep. two yards back the way the ball, the the ball comes to him, it's bounced and he obviously misses a target for six yards or whatever. But it's just a chance for Wilson as well. Obviously, goalie makes a great save. So really proud of the performance. Uh, Farrell was as well. Um, even though you get beat, performance like that can really help you throughout the course of season.
2: Yeah, I was just going to say that as well. Like maybe it's in that type of situation, it's more, maybe more about the performance than the result. When you're when you're flying at the. Well, flying it was maybe a bit rich at the minute, but uh, when you're to top of the league, you're you're grinding out results. You just you just want to keep that going. You just want to see something, especially against a, a top flight team. You just want to see the performance and realise that you're, you know, you don't want to get battered. Basically, you don't want anything that might dent confidence or or like, um, you know, have any doubts creeping into the way that you're you're going about your business. And that's that's kind of what it felt like to me. And yeah, you lose right of the death. You know, it, it, it happens, but. Uh, probably more positives to take from it, really.
1: Four seasons, I know we've lost by the odd goal to yeah.
0: Premier League teams. So unlucky. Think yeah. about how sweet it will be when it changes. <laughs> that, yeah. in, in 2037 <laughs> or something like that. <laughs> Just a couple of performances from that I wanted to touch on, actually. Uh, first was Martin McNiff, and I think over the past month or so, Martin McNiff has probably been one of the Martin's mm-hmm. best players, and I thought at Rugby Park, up against Daniel Armstrong, he was a tremendous player, he was Kelly's biggest threat all night, or all day, sorry. I thought Martin McNiff was absolutely tremendous, and that comes on the back of that goal line clearance at Clifton Hill, where there's that brilliant picture of him basically upside down on the goal line. Thought he was solid up at, uh, up at four for, and then in recent weeks as well, he's been really, really good. So I don't know. Some people, like McNiff isn't going to bomb forward. No, and he's, he's not the modern day fullback. No, yeah, he's going yeah. to say that he's not yeah. going to be you know battering over the halfway line and getting crosses in. But I think defensively, he has been absolutely yeah. superb in recent weeks.
1: And he knows that as well, which is good. He's not bombing on and getting caught out of the back. Um, so we talked about the the one mistake he's maybe made this season is the goal we gifted to Forth for earlier on. But he knows his strengths, he knows his weaknesses, he's kind of experienced enough and mature enough to know what he's good at and what he's, maybe he's not got the legs that he used to have when he was back as a youngster. Um, but he has, he's had his critics, critics maybe a bit harsh. He has, focused maybe been looking at him and not getting, the, not giving him enough praise as what he deserves. But fair play to you, he had a great game of, I think Danny Armstrong had a great game against Rangers a few days before. Yep. And, just seeing how quick he was up against McNiff You naturally do think well, he's gonna have Montroskia, to but no. McNif stood up to him really well all day and point performance.
2: It's, it's helpful to be part of that defensive unit as well. Like <coughs> excuse me, that we mentioned there with uh it's ended up you know, McGeever leaving, but that, that defense that back five has just been so consistent and he's been able to pick that every week and that's only gonna help you as well. Like it's the only area that there's not really had to be any sort of massive you know rejigging at any point really like you know we've seen it up front with like Declan and and you know Gemmels injury and stuff like that midfield like Gray's had a spell out and mm-hmm. you know McKee there's that, just been a bit of change but that back five is just is just solid and that's only going to help you
0: interesting you touch on the striker situation as well because the other player I sort of had to mention from the past month uh, or the other the other player I want to mention especially in relation to the Kelly game is Ryan Wallace now the goals aren't flowing for Ryan Wallace which will be the one thing that's frustrating them. Mm-hmm. but I think every other aspect of his game is there his hold up play has been great he's defended well from the front he looks incredibly fit he looks a threat it's just that final bit know, and sticking des- the ball he deserves back to in. have more
1: goals than he does this season I think he's, only, he's a good one or two he's got three, three. I think yeah. uh, he deserves to have more than that um, he runs the socks off for the team and players like that are so important to create space for others I think that's why he sees the likes of David Wilson and Finley Gray finding it, it so much we've got we've got smart players up front um, guys like Declan like on the season Ryan Wallace just came in they'll Chase defenders will leave space for midfielders to run into. Um, hopefully today, is the day that Wallace gets his goal because he does deserve something.
2: Yeah, I've actually had that written down before today about Wallace. That so one goal in the last seventeen league games. Uh, last goal uh, up at Elgin City in early November. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I'm with you. I think he's been playing. He's been playing well. He's he's done everything but, and he's got those those assists. And you know he's smart and he's 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 hassling players he's a nuisance isn't he but what I've got written down here is like you've got Declan Byrne fit again Russell McLean's come in does he need that goal does he need that goal to mm. stay in yeah. you know you would imagine Russell McLean's going to get a start at some point you know, just to you know see him from the give start and see what he can yeah. do and give him a chance exactly you know will, will he feel that breath in the back of his neck and will that spur him on to, to maybe to maybe find it finding it but I, I just think it's an interesting one It crossed my mind before today And that's why That's why I'd written it down
1: Or oh, do we go Two up top again After the, the last <laughs> time <laughs> I was going to You took the out of my mouth So
0: Anybody who's been on Pine Bovel this week <laughs> Will have seen So much debate And so much conversation Last week at View as well About When does Stevie Farrell Go two up front When Because you look at the options He's got up there now So he's got Ryan Wallace He's got Declan Byrne And he's got Russell McLean Now You, you could also play Ross off As well yep. And you could play Ali Love up front. We've seen right, um, Lars McLean up front. How much do you fancy two of those? And any club in the division probably would take at least one of those players and go, "Aye, I fancy him up front for me."
2: Would you? Would you put Ryan Blair in the two? Or would you? You know, because obviously the four-one-four-one is that—that's the main formation that's been working, mm. and Blair. Blair's quite a big part of that. Yeah. Yep. What would you do in that situation?
0: I have no idea I'm just a volunteer I'm just do. a volunteer podcast host I don't get paid the big bucks to oh, manage sorry to I, I, thought, I, thought a, I thought you had a plan no I have no plan at all because um, it, my my only experience would be on Football Manager and if my team's winning I don't tend to change formation just because I fancy yeah. putting two strikers we're on.
1: starting to get the wee green things that you get when the players link yeah.
2: up <laughs> I love playing two up top on Football Manager
0: I, I normally
2: do Well, um, the, the way I look at it as well if you play two up top on Football Manager if you only play one if he has a bad game you might not score if you've got two. See, <laughs> genius.
0: <laughs> Stevie Farrell, are you listening <laughs> to Chris McMillan? We've obviously talked a wee bit about Martin McNiff, we've talked a wee bit about uh, Ryan Wallace, but we'll talk about January's C&G Systems Player of the Month, who is Greg Wilde, and the perfect time to talk about that is that fantastic goal he scored against Bonnie Rigg with his right foot after, we won't dwell on the miss it, uh, at Kelly, but after <laughs> that miss to then go and score a goal with that quality on a dodgy pitch with your weak foot...
2: Mm-hmm it was a great goal I loved it must have felt so good that connection must have felt so good it looked so clean it wasn't that far out fair enough but yeah lovely lovely strike and a little little ray of sunshine and a pretty gloomy (laughs) gloomy game
0: (laughs) (laughs) that game was uh, not easy on the eye and that's putting it mildly the the pitch I think caused quite a few problems And, and Jack from your point of view is there a concern there about the pitch? This is a Suns team that I think the best promise of the season, as far as I'm concerned, would be Clyde away mm-hmm. on that big, wide, slack Astro pitch. Is there a concern about the pitch here if it does start to get you know, towards last season's levels that it might end up stifling some of those creative players we talked
3: about?
1: Yeah, I've not been out in the park today, so I'm not sure what the current situation is, but as you say that like game, it was starting to get caught up already. Um, I know the dangers were here midweek, it was Tuesday or Wednesday, so yeah. you'd imagine it's not going to be in the best shape. If I don't care whether this week it should be OK, Um but it's getting into kind of the end of this month and next month we've got five home games out of six in the space of about two and a half weeks it just happened this
0: <laughs> great news for commentators uh, <laughs> who will not be leaving the house other than for those five home games out of six and the Bonnier game also brought about another positive and it is something we've kind of touched on but that was the return of Declan Byrne to the bench Declan Byrne is still the Martin's top scorer I think I'm right in yeah, saying yeah. this season as Chris consults the notes he has five this season if that helps so
2: does Ali Love and Gregory Buchanan That's mm. fine so he is yeah. technically still yeah, the
0: Martin's yeah. top scorer despite the fact he's not kicked a ball since October um, we talked about the struggles of fitting him in but having a player in who's scored so many goals early in the season including two against today's opponents and athletic that again is a further boost to the Martin before we get into talking about Russell McLean
1: Absolutely uh, sorry I don't know who you're going for <laughs> um, yeah we, we've seen how Declan can finish it he's probably is it actually the most clinical striker we've got? No,
0: oh, I think if, that's yeah. it. Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, he's run his socks off as well. He, he's not the biggest, but he uses his height quite well, I think, um, what he's got of it. Um, hopefully, same as... Um, also, when you've got Russell McLean as well, and you're only playing one up front, how do you fit? How do you keep three, four strikers happy? Um, that's kind of for just now. we we'll interested to see how he kind of sorts
2: that out. Especially, like, when you're talking about potentially going two up front, I was thinking about this when you mentioned it, because you looked at that Bonnie rig game, and especially at the start in that sort of first 20 minutes or so, it was such an odd setup. You know, Dumbarton seems to like to fl- flood forward on the front foot anyway. We've seen it on more than one occasion this season when sons have got the ball and are going forward, and there's almost like a line of four, sometimes five, just like pushing forward against that back line. So, you know, you're committing bodies forward anyway, and... Perhaps then that wouldn't be that much of a difference if you are playing two up top because, yeah, the start of that game was was bizarre. We mentioned it as well. Like it just felt that there was it was like a sun's back four, and then like a front five. <laughs> yeah. And Bonnie Rigg had a back five and like a front four. Yeah. And like, no. Ryan Blair was just kind of standing about, <laughs> just being like. <laughs>
0: What's going on? Why <laughs> oh, is this happening? Yeah. And then at times Bonniereg sort of switched to just like an eight zero two, and they just had Alioufai and Kevin Smith up front and then everybody behind the ball mm. and oh, I, I mean don't get me wrong the pitch was not in a condition to play in midfield but that game was an awful match to watch for large spells of it because it was just so weird and I think here's a here's another hot take you can't have a good game of football If both midfields aren't playing well or aren't involved because your midfielders are probably your best footballers in mm-hmm. the team and the midfielders on either side none of them could really get involved in that game it just bypassed them and that was probably why it was such a tough watch
1: yeah I think it's probably the most we've had a lot of ugly wins I've seen, I seen think it's probably the most convincing one that one we've had there was yeah. no there was no moment in that game where you you felt one of them was in the score as you say because they were kind of they were all over the shop there wasn't they're like they a like shape to them um, and there had nobody on the park that you thought, oh, we need to kind of keep an eye on him. He's capable of a bit of magic. Um, look at Albion's overs and stuff. And even last week, they had loads of guys in the park. And you think you're almost asking for it sometimes. And you've got guys that talented on the park.
2: There was no real moment where...
1: There was I no ball across the like face of goal and anything, like, anything could have happened. Yeah. Or
2: We've seen in a few of those those victories by the odd goal that Brett Long's had to make one or two like really mm-hmm. good stops. And that, didn't really, that wasn't no, really the case no, at, no, against no. Bony
0: if that wasn't the case against Bonnie then it felt like it was only a matter of time mm. until it was the case against Denhouse Rear, and it did arrive, it was their first shot on target, it was in the fifth minute of injury time, and I am completely over it, uh, as you can tell from this. But that one old draw last week, I guess slightly tempered by the fact that East 5 held Sterling Albion as well, so no harm done, I mean, the situation hasn't changed. Is that a missed opportunity, or is that one that you fear at the end of the season we might be looking at and thinking, if we just held on for those additional 30 seconds? <laughs>
1: I don't know if you'd equalized midway through the second half, you're probably looking at it as it's a good point, but because of when they scored it, it, it felt like a defeat after the game. Um, I would rather have had our point than Sterling's point, if that makes sense. I think yeah. our point away to Stenardbjord is a better point than a point away to East Fife. Both teams go into very different levels of form mm-hmm. at the moment. So on the face of it, we, we stayed four points ahead at the top of the league. I think it was a good day all around. It had to be all things considered.
2: Yeah, I am I was going to say just sort of from a a different sort of perspective Like I noticed that uh, Stevie Farrell mentioned the four point gap in the build up to this game and I don't know if I'm right or I could be wrong but it just kind of felt like that was the first time that, that had really been mentioned and I think the Sterling Albion game is looming in the background and it, it's on people's minds but you say it felt like a defeat and then you know you can understand why it always does when you concede mm-hmm. in the last minute but when you are front running like it feels like that quite a lot and Two wins and four, three, of which have been away games. Like that's fine when you're at the top of the league and you're and you're going and you're being chased. That record is is okay. And sometimes if you, you know people can look at it and and the the glass is half empty sort of thing. And you, you, but a point away at Steny in that situation is not bad. It's just it's the way it comes around and and it stings
0: this is obviously a big week in the title fight as well because one of Sterling out Al- well they're not playing today they, mm-hmm. they don't seem to ever play on Saturdays it seems <laughs> to be like a really rare thing um, but they are playing on Valentine's Day um, so all the Sterling Albin fans can treat their missuses or their misters to a trip to Bonnie Rig and you done there's Dundas surely Park. something
1: very poetic about Bonnie Rig like Rose winning on Valentine's Day it's got is, to be. there is actually I think
0: that's lovely Um you would expect, based on what we've seen from the two teams, that Sterling Albion will have enough that then, conceivably, cl- could close the gap, depending on what happens today and this is the difficulty with recording: mm-hmm. as all these games are built up could close the gap as, as close as one point. Does that worry you in any way? Because we've seen Dumbarton fall behind and then very quickly claw themselves back to the top of the league. It's
2: always easy, easier to chase as well, but Mm-hmm. As I just mentioned there, you know, that game is playing on my mind, so I imagine it must be on everyone's.
1: Yeah, the, the manager and father come out and say, we're not thinking about it, we're not looking at ourselves. I think we've all been in this game long enough to know it's just not the case. We're not looking at the results as soon as they come off the park and seeing what's happened elsewhere. So if, you'd fancy them to go to League to and, and get three points on Tuesday, but going there on a Tuesday night, it's maybe not the nicest places to go. It'd be cold the park's not the best as we've seen first time this season as well so it's not a nice away game um, one you'd probably expect them to come to them
2: but they will drop points before the end of the season as Dunbarton as well Martin, yeah.
0: um, that leads us quite nicely actually on to talking about the January transfer window and I think the January can always be a difficult time for clubs as well because how many times do you see a new signing come in make an immediate difference and then do absolutely nothing for the rest mm-hmm. of the time you see it quite a lot but one of the major, major moves isn't a move in, it's a move out and that's at Sterling Albion I've lost Kai Fotheringham. Now, for those of you who remember the certain game at fourth bank that I, I don't, it's just <laughs> completely gone from my mind. I'm led to believe he had a really good game that day and, he in fact, to and, yeah. and in fact has been playing really well this season but I've managed to scrub him from my mind but that, that looks on paper like a really big blow to, to uh, Sterling Albion.
1: It doesn't, doesn't get a point last week as we touched on and that's the kind of game you want guys like that and you expect them to a bit a moment of magic, a, a corner as we've seen first hand at, at fourth bank, I think they, they scored from four corners four or something corners. Yeah, and he so he took them all so we know how... Technically gifted, it was. Um, obviously, the move came at a great time for the Martin. Is I get caught off offhand, off guard. Um, caught I, me I, offhand. Well, yeah, because they were. <laughs> I think they were given the assurance that no, you've got Kai for the rest of the season. Um, so I'm not sure what's went on. at turned dice for him to kind of force him to recall him. But obviously, from a Martin perspective, it's great news. Um, he's won him a lot of points this season. Not necessarily scoring a lot of goals, but you know, I think he's probably not far off double figures for assists. So. Delighted to see that in Joz, yeah. Yeah,
2: I'll tell you, they, well, before the before the planned game on the 7th, uh, had 13 league goal involvements and 13 league starts. So just, you know, a massive player to lose for them going into it and, you know, that'll affect the creativity massively, you would imagine, in the service, because, you know, they are the most potent attack in the league. But you take a big cog out of that machine and you know it's only going to it's only going to grind a little bit isn't it So
0: he was the Dom Thomas in their team mm. so, which will will yeah. do this onto our Stevie Aitken discussion when he arrives actually but he was very much in my eyes the player who looked like he was playing way way below his level he probably should be playing top half of league one or maybe championship mm-hmm. and I hope as much as I'm delighted he's been recalled I hope that he doesn't go back to Dundee United and just sit on the bench and play yeah. like 14 minutes between now and the end of the season I hope if they're recalling him they're actually going to play him because if they don't what's the point? You've got a young guy who could have a league winner's medal who could play a huge part in that, and you've taken him out of that to sit him in the stand and maybe fling him on for five minutes at the end of a defeat to Ross County or something. Because the wording
1: was quite interesting when they called him, it was to further aid his development or something like that. The, yeah. the tweet said so you'd imagine it would to to, to play football. Um, what the situation was, I'm not sure whether he was training with Dundee United during the week still and going with Stirling twice a week, whatever the situation was, Um
0: if there's anything that has caught anybody else's eye though in the January transfer window, and something that, that got me massively excited was Dumbarton Martin bling- bringing in Russell McLean. Um, Russell McLean effectively tore Martin to shreds last <laughs> season for Peterhead, and I couldn't believe it. It's the first time in a wee while that we've signed a player that I looked in the website and thought, "Oh, yeah. hang on a minute here!" Like I, I it's I had a good to, feeling, isn't it? <laughs> it's a really good feeling. Yeah. I had to sort of refresh it a few times to make sure he didn't have a namesake who was like, you know, seventeen and on loan from Hearts or something, <laughs> but the real actual Russell McLean is at Dumbarton. He's obviously been out for a, a huge amount of time, but a player who who well at Montrose at Forford during that brief loan spell and at Peterhead last season especially has always caused Dumbarton problems and caused Morgan Neal problems in the air when he smashed him in the face. He did, he's a he's
1: a big boy, ain't he? Um he's another option to have as well, obviously we've got Ryan and Declan, as we've touched on, who are, obviously is a different kinda of, if you want to change the way you're playing you can you can go long to him and play off him so he needs to, he needs to learn a game that's the thing we've seen Lion McGeever go to get some games how's he going to get some McLean games we we'll need to see
2: yeah because he won't have come here to sit on the bench and come on for 15-20 minutes that, that, that's you would imagine that he believes and, he, you know, he is good enough to play at this level, score goals at this level, we've and already above, seen it, yeah. and above, and, yeah, he'll want a chance, and a, he will get one at some point.
0: How impressed were you by him against like That was the first time you got to see him in Suns colours, and he came on that day, and... In a, <laughs> I in wasn't a, impressed by much. <laughs> <laughs> in a pretty woeful game, he just added something a bit different.
2: Yeah, definitely, he did well when he came on, he did what he needed to do, but I don't think that that's the role that he'll wants to that he'll want to play. Um, I'd, I'd, I would like to see him from the start, um, and... Yeah, hopefully, hopefully I, I will at some point. I, like I've said it like three, four times already. Now, but I think we will. But yeah, I was impressed with him. He, uh, it, but it was it was more the
0: the gemo role, wasn't it? Um, mm. But the defend from the front yeah. sort of role and try and win free kicks and bully people about. Yeah, exactly. But I think we, we were we were done by that point really. Oh I, yeah, <laughs> I just wanted to go home. It was cold, <laughs> it was pouring, the pitch was awful, the game had bored me. I was yeah, I was very ready to go home by that stage. It did sort of spruce things up a wee bit.
1: I think we had a bounce game during the week the the week before, so hopefully guys like Russell and Declan and other guys coming back in J kinda of got some minutes in the legs there then we'll see that. Um, when you come off the bench,
2: see, maybe Stevie Farrell's just trying to figure out which two it is. Yeah, mm-hmm.
1: you see,
0: he needs a game, was what he said about Declan Burn the other week. He so does, yeah, yeah. That would make a bit of sense. Just to wrap up, we'll it was quite a quiet January window looking round about just a couple of things that caught my eye that I wanted to touch on the first is been overskeeping Charlie Riley who was also named essentially League 2 Player of the Month again <laughs> and very much deservedly so and the second one was Scott Agnew coming out of retirement to sign for East Fife I'll start with Charlie Riley though um, because we've spoken about him a wee bit on the podcast and like I'm always very very happy to sort of give praise to other players who catch my eye nobody has caught my eye I don't think in this league more than Charlie Riley this season he looks An absolutely wonderful player. He's like Gareth Bale when he gets (laughs) going. His finishing can be a bit erratic, but he seems to have worked on that this season. And yeah, I I think he's a player who's going to go on to huge, huge things.
2: It was just his fitness, really, that was a bit of a question when we saw him here uh, earlier on in the season. Because I hadn't seen him before that game. And even before that game, it was earlier on, and his stats were already eye-catching. And I just thought, I was like, all right, okay, let's let's, let's have a look at it. Like his stats were to the point of like, how how is this possible without assisting yourself <laughs> <laughs> his, his numbers were that big but yeah he, he looked at a really fabulous player and he's continued on and it was just that question mark and about his fitness after that i think it was that first hour and he just he looked knackered and if he can work on that as well if you said he's worked on his finishing if he can work on his fitness as well he will comfortably move up the the levels i think he
1: scored you did. Did. Did, yeah and he gave a tour of time on New Year's Eve up at Clifton Hill as well. So, you you, you do you do see a big thing for him. Um, a full time move, probably what he's got his eyes on in in summer. Um, I think he'll be the difference between kind of Albin Lovers finishing bottom and not finishing bottom. As we said about Bonnie Like, there was nobody in the Bonnie Like team who you could kind of feel we're going to score a goal like an Aston. But with Charlie Riley, you'd think Albion Lovers I've always got that. At, kind of at our disposal
0: one of the most vicious strikers of a ball as well that I've seen I actually watch over's highlights purely to see the way that he scores his goals because he very rarely scores a bad goal because he just hits the ball like he absolutely despises it and he's kicking the life out of it and I love that
1: The one here was quite like yeah, he, he just lashed it and 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 low hard yeah. not, not necessarily like accurate but if it's low and hard you, you've got a pretty good chance mm-hmm.
0: he absolutely loves that kind of lashed finish which is great and the I suppose on the opposite side, a, a far more cultured left foot, say, is Scott Agnew coming out of retirement. He'd been assistant manager at Wraith. He'd retired far too early for, mm. for me and you because um, you know, he's a player that we grew up <laughs> admiring. I had a 10 in the back of my shirt from his first season at the club in, in tribute to Aggie, and he knows how much I think he's fantastic and is probably certainly uncomfortable with it, <laughs> uh, which is fine uh, because hopefully it'll put him off playing well when we play East Fife in a couple of weeks. But yeah, Aggie coming out of retirement, good to see, but also... He looks like something that maybe East Fife needed, was just a wee bit more quality and above all else a bit of experience, a good guy to have around the place.
1: Yeah, and you've got a guy with his left foot, you're know, always capable of scoring from corners and you've seen him score one or two free kicks as well. And bit of a strange move because there was some sort of... He was linked for the job and didn't go because of way it was and then whatever's happened there. But yeah, he was, he was far too talented and far too young to retire when he did. So hopefully it's a, it's a good spell at East Fife, but just not when they're playing us. Yeah, as long as he as 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 kind
0: of refrains, the classic from, caveat there, yeah. <laughs> refrains from the free kick that he obligatory had to score against us for his life over the past couple of years. That rounds up this section. Join us in part two where we will be joined by former Suns boss Stevie Aitken to look back on his time at the club, which was, I think I described it in the intro as tumultuous and memorable, which would just about sum things up. As those of you who are watching on the stream will now know, we are joined by our fourth amigo today, which is former son's boss Stevie Aitken. Stevie obviously took over at Dunbarton alongside Stevie Farrell back in 2015, managed the team for a few seasons in the Championship, led Suns to the Cup Final, and we won't touch on how it ended. <laughs> but we will look back on, I described it as a tumultuous time at Dunbarton, it was a lot of highs and some lows in there as well. But let's jump right, right back to the start, Stevie, and, and first of all, thanks for joining us mm-hmm. as well. But Talk me through how you got the Dumbarton job alongside Stevie Farrell back in May 2015.
3: Well, we finished the season with and um, We had a really good year. Um, I think Morton picked us for the, the title in the last game of the season. So we would three years and we took Stranraer basically from the, virtually nothing. little no, finances, no training facility. And took them from there to nearly going to the championship. Um, so we are really building something really good there. And the call came and I remember the chairman, Stranraer, phoning me and saying, um, Dumbarton, I want to speak to you. Um, and I, think we it it's, I appreciate that, but I'm really about what he bought something at Strenhar, as just feel that next year the, the year with now try and get the championship. Because we can see what Dunbarton had been doing in previous years, part time a championship, and I wanted to take um, the Stronrha to that. Yeah, I thought about it overnight and spoke to a few people and said, look, it's it's too good opportunity, go and speak to him. So I went and met Gilbert, um unfortunately no longer with us, and had a really good chat with him and um but then I started thinking, you know what this is a really good opportunity. Met the board then before I knew it I was appointed of manager so um, yeah it was a great move to do at the time you look back and think that you made the right move at the right time but it certainly was at the right time that Dumbarton Championship compete against the big big clubs and that's one to be involved well
1: in. It did seem like a pretty natural step up for you coming from a part-time team in the league below to come to a part-time team in the, in the league above?
3: Yeah I think that the, I've only done that to, to do coming to Dumbarton because Dumbarton ban that time we were the best part-time mm-hmm. team in Scotland you know and all the part-time clubs you're you, you looking at you're thinking is it a progression that a step up and leaving Stranraer. from uh, when the champ and League One, Conference the Championship, there wasn't many opportunities. I think that would have left uh, Estornell for, but when the Martin came, um, you'd, you know, you see what Ian Murray had done for a couple of years, and he wanted to try and keep that going, and it was a, a no-brainer at the end up. You know, and once I spoke to people and thought about it, then it was the right move, and, um, and I'm delighted I did make it. It must have been a tempting time as well. You mentioned the big clubs that were in and around the Championship at that time. It was a scary op- opportunity as well. if I looked at that and spoke to people and said we think Dumbarton and the championship and you, you look at the clubs and it, it's, it's a hard hard job but you always want a challenge you, you always want to try and uh, test your legs the best and that was i mean to put a part-time team in the championship and Dumbarton had it for five six years and you can see what both are doing now it's one of the biggest challenges in scottish football nobody really understands how hard it is when you get guys look like, for three hours a week compared to three, three hours a day mm-hmm. you know when we were competing really well so um but it was a it was a tough challenge you know but one that i relived and uh, look back on and fond memories
0: I still think it's incredible looking back that Dumbarton were in the same league as Rangers, the same league as Hibs, same league as Dundee United, season before the same league as Hearts, Hibs and Rangers and Livingston, who obviously at the time were struggling a wee bit, but are now an established Premier League club, I mean, like you say, people people don't appreciate that Rangers have Murray Park, which is £10 million training development, they'll have the best of sports science, the best of nutrition, and you've got guys
3: for an hour and a half a week on half a pitch sometimes. No, it's it's challenging and that that's reality is what you're saying is, is true and that's what happens. You know, when we were you're training half a picture on the another team at the bareback, back, boys are working, get held up in traffic, trying to get to training, you know, and, and we were competing with these clubs on a regular basis, you know, and, and even in the terms of budgets and what the cl- clubs have got at their disposal, it's a massive amount compared to what we had at the bar or any part time team. You know, and that's we we look at just now we're both what they're doing. Um it's great to take that camera they there because they're they're doing what the bartend done for years, so but it really was challenging, you know. But I think as players and management, you always try and test against the best. And as you say, the mentioned teams, we were going there um, and competing really well, you know, winning games and drawing games there. You know, it was looking back now, it was a terrific time.
0: Your first sign, or one of your first signings, is a player who's still here. He's been about since then, but that was Gregor Buchanan that you brought in. Now, at the time that was a kind of interesting signing because he was part of a Dunfermline team that had struggled a bit in League 1, you gave him that step up, ok step back into part time football but a step up to the second tier, talk to me about Gregor Buchanan as a young defender and working with him because he went on to be a, a fantastic player for
3: you. Yeah no, he was, he was, uh, he was excellent and we actually was trying to send him for some Arsenal. So the, 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 the league we done really well when Morton just picked us Dunfermline in that league so Dunfermline um, and Morton There's was good teams in it, Deacon City were going really well and you know, we challenged really well and that, that year against Unferm we'd done really well but Gregor was like in a standout so when we finished the season off we said, say look let's go and try and win it next year who are we going to try and get we're going to get back Buchanan, so we actually met him and his dad uh, to sign first round and they were close to doing it Um when I got to the top of the Barton, the very first person I phoned was Greg, I See what you stood off. <laughs> I says, "This might be happening." Uh, you know, so it was a it was an no brainer for me to come and take him because I knew he could play at that level comfortably, uh, and he did. And he's had a great career. You know, he's been terrific, and he's a good family about him as well. He's a family guy. Um, you know, he seemed doing well with um, It's good to go and see you, but um, yeah, he was a terrific son. Did
1: you said, Dumbarton Barton with the the best part time team in the country at that point? Did you quite enjoy having almost? Maybe not quite free range to pick who you wanted out uh, of all the different part-time teams across the country but y- you could go to clubs lower down league and say we've got this opportunity for you best part-time team going to
3: Ibrox Tanadise sort whatever of. Yeah, it was. Use it as an advantage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you certainly do do that. Um, you know, part time players in Scottish football, the kind of same ones will attract three or four clubs that kind of high end, of League One, maybe the ones in the Championship. But what we try to do as well was we try to attract players coming out of the pre- kind of Premier League, mm-hmm. like Mark Brown, we signed Mark Brown, for example, coming from, uh, for the crazy Cl- 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 he had. So we tried to get players that, that the part time you could cope with that, but also the ones coming down from the kind of Premier League full time, that their next move was part time. And it was an easy sale. And you're right, Now you're speaking to players and you're talking about what well, do going want to go next season? So I'm talking to Srinara, I'm talking to East Fife, and you can offer going to Ibrox, Easter Road, mm-hmm. and places like that. You know, it is, it is a no-brainer and you it to the advantage, you know, because generally kind of part-time players all play for nobody kind the of same wage structure. There's, there's probably like five or six clubs that maybe pay a bit more, but they also pay the kind of same money, so... Location's a big factor as well. I mean certainly having training base in Glasgow, which at the time was a big, big thing for us. If we trained down down the for Talk's sake, um or Helensburgh, we probably would not attract the same players coming from the kind of the area, you know. So that was always a big thing, but the selling point was it like no doubt about that.
0: I was looking back just there. So obviously your first game in charge in the league was that 2-1 victory against Hibs where Gregor Buchanan scored after three minutes. Now, listen to some of the names in this Hibs team from that day. David Gray, Paul Hanlon, Liam Fontaine, Lewis Stevenson, Marvin Bartley, Fraser Fivey, Scott Allen, Dominic Malonga, Jason Cummings, a certain John McGinn, Sam Stanton and Martin Boyle were their subs that day. I mean that must have been one of your <laughs>
3: proudest days in football. It was. I think after a few minutes I looked to Stephen and think, that's a good job, that's quite <laughs> <laughs> easy. <laughs> um but you're right, I mean the players you've mentioned there, you know, I mean, to, to win that game and I can remember it, I mean, to, and compete the way we did, um it was terrific. And then the following week you maybe touched on went to went to Love Street and won again and mm-hmm. I said to the chairman, and um, passed him in the, in the corridor at uh Street at the time or St. Murray Park. There was like six points out of six, and I say that's not one voice needed not the players. <laughs> <laughs> I say, see, so if we keep going last, I say he might be skint, con Christmas. <laughs> He's like, don't worry, just keep winning games, but I think we back to like the third game when we took a wee bit of a, um, okay. a scalping. Can you say down here, you know, but yeah, the first game is always. Your, I think as a manager get a new club, the first one's always the most important, one. you know, and starting off a win against a team like that was terrific.
2: How important at the start of a season as well? I know it's a, it's a new job in that situation, in, <clears throat> in a higher division, but I've always just been a big believer of first game, especially at home, you just want a good result just to set the tone for the season. Do you, do
3: you think that's important? For I think it is. I think that, if you ask any manager, I think the very first game of the season, uh, whether it be your, a new club or is that another season, I think the first one's always important When I think it's getting points on the board the early doors. We always said that, and I'm sure Steve has said it um, as well, but it's that season, get points on the board. Because what you don't want to go and do is, was your first game, lose this next game and I feel you know what you're thinking when you to trying to get points to the ball then even as early as on as that people can start at your fingers you know, and think when you try trying to get a win so I think it's key in Massive going forward that when you do start the season especially when your club you win your first game and we're glad to be done that. There.
0: There's a couple of players from that sort of time that I want to touch on there the first is somebody who again was a phenomenal player for you in Gary Fleming now I love a Gary <laughs> Fleming story but also that East 5 game a couple of weeks before I think the Suns lost on penalties or something in the League Cup Gary got subbed and he wasn't too best pleased the following week he got the armband for the game against Hibs he played really really well talk me through that relationship you had with Gary
3: uh, well, Gary was uh, first and foremost a terrific player um, you know, I, I don't think Gary even realised the kind of ability he had and, um, certainly as a manager and being about football he do things that I'm thinking Wow. Uh, then other thing i thinking, is that can kind of the same Gary Fleming <laughs> Is he got a twin? Um, but he loved this club, you know, and when you're starting off a new club, I remember the, kind of the start of the season and things, it wasn't quite right. I think we played Queen's Park at, at Hamden as well in a game and we're sitting looking at them and thinking, this is it's just, it's just not right or something, it's just not clicking, it's what we're trying to close my players are players not kind of taking it on board. Um, but we always knew Guy was a big influence about the club you know and um, it was a no-brainer to become captain um, and, and as I said it was terrific my time here you and know, it's probably looking back it's probably one of the hardest decisions that I had to make was when, when letting players go um, and he's one of sl- the slights over you know but he's you have to do what's probably right for the club going forward um, and Guy's not me but again, again um, you know and at some point he's going to have to leave Dunbar, you know but you look back and think I done that it's not done it and um, you know when you have been on and played a, um, it's, it's at as well so Terrific lad, um, you know, and it's, um, I just think, as a player and a captain, he was no nobrina for me. I don't think Gary's penalty from that game at Hampton came down yet. <laughs> I, <don't, laughs> I know, I, I think that's what kind of annoyed me at that, that time. I'm thinking, just, how can I miss <laughs> that? Must be just
0: about the only penalty he missed yeah. as well because he was really, really good at the He scored some stuff.
3: terrific goals, you know, I mean, the, the one that, um, to keep us up in the first at yeah, uh, like, yeah. St Myrne here, um, it was terrific, you know, and as I say, there's only a number of players that can do that. Um, people think that's the easy thing but it's not an easy thing but he could do that on a regular basis so um is always terrific guy and um a good captain for me only man who could do it on a diet of hot dogs and supermodels himself <laughs> it works for gary and um, listen it's uh, it, everything's different you know but it's uh, the thing it is now i think everybody knows that football or anything i support going forward you've got so much on the social media you can going to an app and tell you what to eat when to eat you can going to tell you what to train when not to train when I mean, gary was a player that boy came out i mean it was a case of right in the morning I fly up for breakfast and go play football. I mean, it works, so why change it? Another player
0: from that time who, who moved on very quickly was Andy Graham, who was obviously Dumbarton's captain the season before.
3: Talk me through what happened with Andy Graham and, and why he left. Um, it was one of the ones, again, that it's when you come in and you look at. Uh, when my, my very first thing when I came in was to offer players contracts, so I hadn't met any players, I didn't know them, and I had to start letting players go. And I knew Andy through. Connection at Morton, um, you know, the, the big player here. But we sang Gregory Cannon, we wanted to try and get a, a strong, strong squad. And Andy f- kind of fell out the team at the start. And I can remember the game at Queen's Park and um, the game we were talking about earlier, he played and it, it just didn't look as if he was enjoying it. Um, so, with a chat and on honest chat, and um, he wanted to keep on playing, I couldn't let us see any players, can I guarantee it? Um, ACT I think best to move on and um, sometimes these things happen you know but terrific servant terrific career I think that's one thing Andy had was a, a very very good career you know and a fit, fit guy you know And again sometimes people move out of football clubs that people don't see um, happening you know but um, these things the manager make decisions and some you get wrong and some you get wrong
1: Was that quite hard for you because he, he was a fan favourite here um, and obviously you are coming in as the new manager captain last season and you've kind of you've not got rid of him but he's kind of fallen out of the squad um, that hard decision for you to kind of making him that first impression on the fans as well
3: yeah I always but I think you have to make decisions not based on would it keep other people happy mm-hmm. um, Andy wasn't happy I can understand that because he wasn't playing the team he was a captain um, he wasn't playing so I can get why he was like that you know and you don't want unhappy players you don't want that in the dressing room that will no festa That festa I like and she's not happy. Another guy in Gary's dressing room is really tight with, and he's not for not it. Even if you know not the dressing room starts getting split, and you know, the dressing room's got to go together, you know. And uh, Gary just exp- um, Andy will express that he wanted to leave, you know. And um, I had the decision for the club as well. Mm. I mean, I mean, uh, I spoke to chairman about it. He's like, really, like, "Look, it's, if the player wants to move on." Um, he wants to move on you know and uh, i no doubt if he'd stayed will he'd played a big part of it you know but at that time is um he just wasn't playing a team, wanted to move on maybe he thought that a new manager coming in it's time for him to move on as well so uh, these things happen uh, in football but it's difficult when it's and you know, fans have always got their favorites and i get that you know mm-hmm. i love football and i'm going to watch teams and I've got favorites you know and i'm mm-hmm. watching games thinking How's you getting taken off and used uh, should be playing for the start it's just what you see it um and i imagine how you see it you know you have to stick with that
0: obviously Form hit a wee bit of a dip I can't believe that we were talking we spent so much time talking about a 1-0 league cup or whatever it was defeat to Queen's Park. <laughs> of all the games it had to be that one but one game that I want to touch on Form obviously dipped off a wee bit eh, after that phenomenal start but the game eh, the 3-all draw with Wraith Rovers <laughs> here I think it was about November time when Willie Gibson came on and in the space of 12 minutes won a penalty and set up two goals yeah. Uh, first of all, your most inspired substitution of all time, but secondly, what are your memories from that game? Because well, that's something that always gives me hope, even when we're <laughs> 3 0. Um,
3: it's one of the games that, you know, it's a strange being that you're down, but you think, if we can get one, or am not really out in this, because we're, we're still in the game. It's not a mm-hmm. enough but you can sit and watch the game and think, the team's not going to score here. And you think, if we can get one, we'll get a maybe rally of troops. Uh, and Roy Gibson, uh, I've worked with him. Obviously, a couple of times, and hopefully, they'll do this today? You can do it <laughs> I and was going to say, and we'll have a word yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but it can change a game, and, and like that, and, and getting the goal, and getting, and he just gave basically galvanised the whole club at that point because mm-hmm. we were down. You know, mm-hmm. we had a bad, bad run. Um, the only, and you start thinking, isn't it? Cool, yeah. But when's the next one going to come from? Um, and it just needs a wee spark, uh, and he gave us that. He gave us it so many times, why? Really, you know, and he's a player that can do that. And um, again, another one. It's a terrific career, being. Um, but again, it's I played it, stayed and moved on, and and, and that's what happens. But uh, it was a crazy game. It was a crazy <laughs> game, you know. And um, but the football was. <laughs> full ups and downs in that season was like that. Okay. And,
2: and how good is it as a manager when you do make substitutions
3: like that? <laughs> how good is it? Well it, it's great Can you <laughs> are you pan it back, you know, because a lot of people criticize you if the ones you get wrong and you get a lot of them wrong. You know you make a substitution and people say, I'm off for in it doesn't work then you obviously know, criticize. But look at us here, you remember the good ones, don't you? You always the do that. Right. Um, people always say, No oh, mate, I've had the if there's a bad decision it always comes from your assistant manager. It's not yes. manager. <laughs> the <laughs> good <laughs> ones come from the manager. I'll remember that yeah.
0: <laughs> That, we were talking about inspired substitutions, but that January you made an inspired signing Christian Nadi, who went on to score seven goals in 12 games. Now, Chris is a Sheffield United fan. Chris has seen Christian Nadi score the winner <laughs> against Arsenal. But talk me through working with Christian because he must have been one of your best signings in terms of an immediate impact. Yeah. And just what that team lacked was that focal point and that.
3: Yeah, we, we knew that um, getting into the second half of the season, we all had to strengthen certain areas, you know, and it's, it's, it's not a it's twin game of football, you've got to score goals. I say I thought we we're competing well enough in a lot of the games. Um, but you're know, playing against clinical championship teams, full time teams, big teams they'll 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 kill you off, you know, and if you're certainly like if you've not got a lead in the game then it's hard to protect it. You know, we knew menu obviously career obviously where he went, you know, and um spoke to his agent and had a chat and we knew about nobody seen him. We knew he would do really well because he's got that presence in the park, you know, and you, and you see him and um he got some terrific goals. and I think a hat trick uh, towards the end of the season against Cooney South, possibly. was like an aheader and Navoli. Yeah, yeah. It was terrific, you know, great to work with, you know, a lovely guy, um, you know, and um I that was probably one of the scenes that I did get right. <laughs> <laughs> towards the
0: end of that season then I Suns were maybe, in, well, they're never fully safe from relegation, but it always felt like they'd have enough to go over the line. Was that you and the scores feeling as well? You thought, you know what, we're going to do this. And that, I guess the, the big example of that was the game against Hibs here again. Suns beat them again. This time, John McGinn started and Kevin Colley rolled them to score the opening goal. But aye, there was always the, the sort of feeling that I this team had enough that it was going to stay up.
3: Yeah, during the course of the season, there'll be there'll be stages you're thinking, "This we've not enough in the, in the in the squad to try and see it through." But we're always confident that the players In the the, the, the dressing room was everybody was together. They were trained really well, there was never an issue in terms of training, um, and you just knew that if we could just get one or two signs that made a difference, then we would stay up. So towards the end they were always confident that we would have enough in the locker, but it's always in the last couple of games, it always seems to be the last two or three games of playing, <laughs> you can ask yourself, it was about five or six games you were safe. Um, and then you're looking at the kind of the fixtures and you're looking at the last three or four games you're thinking sit normally here and then when you get points but you know its I, I had no doubt at all that we would enough to stay up you know and, um, and delighted my first season championship managed to do that well, Was um,
1: that the goal that season just to stay up as a part time team in that predominantly yeah, full time yeah, yeah, like
3: look, look I think when a, cha- a part time team in a championship I think the first of call was is to stay in the division there's, there's no, there's no mm-hmm. doubt about that I'm sure if you asked Dick Campbell that even last season we've been uh, nearly one the league every yeah. time you asked me, said no, we were trying to try get to 30-40 points yeah. to make sure of that and above that, then you can look at. It. But you're ambitious. You know the club were ambitious. The, the chairman is wanting to try and get. Um, to, I think he was close to playoffs. I've never gotten before me. So they want to try and get it to top four and top five. And that, was, that was the goal. Was to try and get there. But, um, but it was tough. You know, there's, there's no doubt it was tough. Uh, you know, but I think to stay in it and give ourselves another year in the championship as a goal um, and then hopefully learn from things that maybe went wrong and then try and build the club again you know and, um, and that obviously like, got us into the, the following season and do you try and lean into that sort of underdog status you know
2: in the dressing room do you try and get that mentality yeah, into that, the
3: boys absolutely yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely the, the, the boys knew that you know boys knew game the game they were going to they d not want to beat again a part time team they'll not be fit enough. they'll lose the last 20 minutes lose their legs and I was always the kind of people thought part time teams but you know, I don't think any team ever ran us over the part mm. in terms of legs um, you know, but you're right. You use that to your advantage, and I've always seen underdogs doing well. Have they want to see the the, the lower team doing really well. You only see with Davo, with Aberdeen. You know, <laughs> been, you know the, the whole country was kind of wanting that to happen. Um, you know, so you use that to your advantage. Yeah.
0: The following season, I've written down in my notes. It's very much a season of two halves, and we were talking about right. it the way in. The second half of that season was we were saying possibly I think you said it was one of your favourite, favourite, favourite teams. team yeah. but we'll start with the first half of the season and that obviously I, I guess it culminated around the Bonnie Red game but the one I wanted to start on is something that's maybe not been touched on a great deal as well. Alan Martin obviously came in that season and was phenomenal, but Jimmy Ewings had won his place back the previous season and then picked up a really serious injury that, yeah. that basically meant that he never played a full season again. He came onto your backroom staff, but yeah. how gutted were you for Jamie because he was hugely popular and obviously someone you had a lot of time for as well?
3: Great times from yeah, right as part of every day at the club, and um, you know and you can see that right away from a very first meeting with mm-hmm. I first took the job I met all the players and the very first time I'm thinking I I said that to to fans I like I like James a like a really good lad, you a good feeling about him. Um and he, again he loved the club. I mean they loved this club the same as Andy, Gary Fleming, they really loved that their club, you know, and um yeah it got for him because he's a, a very good goalkeeper. Um, you know, and also in the back of the staff as well and just doing all the well himself, you know, but so did, I, got it for him, you know, but Ah, oh, Martin for a terrific, uh, terrific season. Um, it was excellent. And um, you know, and you apologize a family says to me but the, the second half the season, you probably said it perfectly. there or two halves. So the first half mm-hmm. is but the second half is terrific, you know, and um, I say people and a lot of people don't know that. And I was, you maybe you don't, but that season we were the highest school scores away from home the whole division. Yep. Mm-hmm. And yeah. they can believe that. The part time team away from the highest school scores in that division. look at teams around in that. Uh, Traffic and that was probably the best time team team I had at, that finished off that season. But unfortunately, about six or seven of them, maybe the loans moved on to other clubs, and, and you'd have to start again.
0: We'll talk about the sort of the the darker part of that season first, which was obviously culminated with that game at Bonnyrigg. Was that your lowest point in management? Was it one of your lowest points in football? Took me took me through that time.
3: Yeah, it was, um, but we didn't deserve to get through the tie the both games, I said that to the players. They should have won it up there, right? Yeah, we're yeah, yeah. mm-hmm. very lucky to get out. Mm-hmm. and I said to the players in the dressing room, I said, like, you're a very lucky group of players to get another chance to the Scottish Cup, because you should be out. We never turned up, you know, but it's, and everything we knew it was going to happen, we told the players, like they're underdogs, they're a, a, a good junior side, they're going to come at ease. Then the, the park will be different to what you used to, you wouldn't go to Easter Road, you wouldn't go to uh, Tadais, it was difficult, I and mean, we never get going, you know, and um, very lucky, uh, Milo, but I thought in the second game it was like well, enough yeah, to get mm-hmm. by the tie, uh, I you mean, should have enough to get by the tie, there's no doubt about that at all, you know but you could just see when the goal that they got and the, the guy could pull a hit it again, it would never go back <laughs> in, well, it was, um, and after the game it was low, and, um, it was low for me and the players at, and the club, it's Chairman Alan Jardin who I got in really well with, a um, good relationship with him, he put a lot of his own money into the club, but a lot of people didn't see, and to give him something back was a big because that's where you get finances in, um, and he left when they scored they left and i was guilty for him because he wasn't here after the game he we had to get away and i text him um and says look it's you want me to leave i'll leave because that's not good acceptable and he said i'll speak to you tomorrow i was night shift that night went home and went to work and he's just scratching your head i think it's, it's that's not enough faz it's like listening and faz is it, it, always always up beats his listen, we'll, we'll get this right Come back down the next day and spoke to Shane I apologise, we're not enough. And he, he said to me, he says, um, I said, you want me to leave? And he says, no. He says, do, do you believe you can still turn this room? I says, I believe that even more now that i will got this right. And he says, get some players and make it right. And that's what we done. So um, I think the following week we won. Falkirk Key we played. I think it yeah. might have been, yeah. and Gary Fleming scored two uh, one. I think it was, um, and different with Rosie again. And uh, I'm glad I did. You know, I would. I, I don't like uh, finding and Toulin, you know, but you will. You will you know, There's no doubt about that. You will low But I see we bounced back great. You've spoken about obviously
0: getting players in and it felt like that, that full game was the make or break moment. Like I, I think I felt that as a fan yeah. for how the season was going to go because it was how the players were going to react yeah. to you still being in charge effectively. But in January, you brought in Christian Nade, again, brought in Lewis Vaughan, Stuart Carswell, Tom Lang, Callum Gallagher, and Ross McCrory hey as a January window
3: goes that's not too bad I think it's probably <laughs> the best January I've ever had to, uh, <laughs> if, 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 if my Christmas present you was let's try to get some players in and, uh, and it, it came true and the players you mentioned there you mean we it's, it's quality quality players and we had to work hard you know, the club backed it you know, it's, thankfully the club made the finance available obviously Rangers with Ross McCrody um, the Lewis Vaughan ones also people I just spoke, spoke about that uh, when, when Ryan Stevenson was here in he wanted to back to full-time football so he wanted to go to Ruth um Guy Lutzman at the time and um, I said listen there's no work to it here I said I understand that full-time's more for you than the part-time so he went on and in the same conversation that day um, we spoke to Ruth Thovers and said what have you got potentially uh, coming our way and Lewis Vaughn's name was mentioned and we am like oh, really? <laughs> 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 like, I was ready to ju- I didn't know he jumped in the phone and said I'll take it <laughs> I said I might me look at it I he didn't put the phone off I will do it. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and what player? Yeah, I'm a player, but um, made a great. I, mean, I would supposed to attacking four or five players, then, what a mm-hmm. joy to watch! You know, and then you just let them go loose and no um, traffic. And uh, I say that's that's what made the second half of the season the players coming in. Made for nice lot like train that yeah.
0: I was going to say, Jack, you'd obviously spoken on the way in, but like mm-hmm. that has been one of your favourite teams to watch and the quality. So Alan Martin and goals like McCrory Daniel Harvey we've not really mm, mentioned who's mm, yeah. gone on to have a great career down south Darren Barrett, Degar Buchanan, and then Carsey and Sam Stanton is the kind of holding two and then the front four if you will of like Nadie is the focal point Robert Thompson on the left Andy Sterling on
3: the right
0: and then uh, Lewis yeah. through the middle
3: yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, and another one about Sam Stanton is outstanding yeah. oh, no, don't, no, don't get me started there. on Sam Stanton <laughs> uh, what a player um, you know and it's, we you get to what the players because all those classes are a winger yeah. and it's one thing when you get players in but you look at them and think I thought also Ross McCrory was a right back that was your position we played in the middle of the park at Easter Road and Mark again I remember it mm-hmm. and I remember the story cause we, and I'll just touch on that because we spoke to Rangers on the Friday I used to let the clubs know the loan players are playing this the Saturday and they can send so I phoned the Rangers and said look Ross is playing at Easter Road um, if you like saying something it's like this. Say we're going to play um, in at middle of the park and it was like Phew. that's right <laughs> that's I'm like alright um, nah we don't, we don't see him playing in there I'm like Listen, football's full of opinions um, I say but um, we're going to play him in there I say because John McGinn's also got g- playing we need to try and make sure he's taken care of Ross had great legs good football player um, and he was a men's Saturday he was a, outstanding but I always thought he was right so Sam Stanton came people said a linger and quite caught at me fast he said nah he's been involved in the game so I played him in the middle of the park and uh, it was outstanding you're was- right it was, uh, but we, we, Robert Thompson was was outstanding. Yeah, you know, they players going forward were just a joy to go and watch. Um, you know, but at the back as well, oh, it's a, a terrific back for you look at the players' experience here, down back. Um Gary McCann obviously and the two full backs have been on have a great careers, you know, so um follow that to next year's team I probably, probably think it's like no way mm-hmm. like that, you know, that was the problem.
1: Thompson on the left was an interesting one as well. Did that come about? Because he came in as almost a, a big target man almost.
3: Yeah, but we always knew him because he played, we always through his career, he we, we was uh, breaking. So we, all, we always knew his career and always played against him. And he was always a handful because he was just a good football player, mm-hmm. very intelligent. Um, but a lot of people played a part of a, a three, you know, but we done it because one, they understand the game. You know, you play players obsession. position, you've got to understand, we go back and back and forward. But he was so much an outball for us on that side, you know, I mean he gave us that opportunity to go down that way, uh, side because of his ability, you know, and Andy still on a totally different player the other side, mm. but he did the same. Um, you know, and but but it I mean, he scored a lot of goals from that side of the park, you know, it wasn't out there and the, the it wasn't was the he was still scoring goals but um again a terrific lad and you know great great guy to work with.
0: I've always said that if I won the lottery, and I've said that a few times in the podcast, if I win the lottery and take over Dumbarton, the first thing I do is going to sign Sam Stanton. Mm-hmm. Just <laughs> give him to the manager. Just yeah. put there, you go. Well, enjoy. I, I don't
3: think any manager would turn and say, "I don't want him." <laughs> I think they would say, "That's fine."
0: That's I, fine. I,
2: I, no, but they wouldn't step hand off straight away. They'd obviously <laughs> just go.
0: The Lewis Vaughan rule is yeah. what we call it now, playing it cool around that. But as you said, the variety that you had. So you've got Andy Sterling on one wing, uh, one wing, and you've got Robert Thompson on the other. Then you've got Christian Nadi up front. And then you've got Lewis Vaughan in behind them. Like, that's four completely different yeah. threats. As a defender, you would be looking at that and thinking, like, if I mark the big guy out of the game, they're just going to stick the big, big guy
3: on yeah. me. Yeah. No, it was, um, I said, they set them up to just go and play in the forward areas, and, 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 and that's why I was said earlier, we scored so many goals away from home because teams have come, that is, we had them a break, and the ball you've got there, And then Sam Stanton playing through Lewis Vaughan, who's slanting balls through Andy Stirlman, up Thomas, and Naddy. We're just picking teams off you know and every away game was a, was a joy because teams were coming right at us as you would probably do as a home team you know and we just kept picking them off and um i remember a game at tanadice towards the end it basically when it kind of kept us up yeah um and there was so much effect and that, that day every time it fall going to score goals i actually remember because um obviously was was at that time and then um, i Coys a fund phoned just again finished and put on the phone and he's like in his typical Coys. he like, me man he says yeah my team are magnificent he says and i'm honest <laughs> what about him <laughs> and it was, well, it was just so good, you're just so good to watch you know and um, I wish I kept that team up because maybe think it would be different to following year. but your success becomes your downfall I mean the players that you mentioned they all, all also loans go back but they all left and then we all Thompson away, uh, he went full-time and he still went back full-time and you've lost a chunk of your team and uh, we never really replaced the players. Here's one of the great
0: unanswered, unanswerable questions of all time, if you'd kept that team together maybe added a couple of bodies over the summer but kept all the loan players a dream scenario could that team have challenged for the playoffs the
3: following season? Nah, no doubt, no doubt on that. Nah. Um, even if you kept two or three of them and kind of built around about that, mm-hmm. we just lost too many. It was something like that. Out of that, you I mean, basically took away your front five players and that's another year, players got over for another year, you know, and um, we really struggled after that in terms of the, to, the same type of player because mm-hmm. the players weren't available, but um, I think any team with A players going forward would have been confident, you know. but. Unfortunately, wasn't it wasn't to me.
2: What's it like in that situation when you're having those good times and you see that player, is it always in the back of your head? You're just like, you know, you've got X amount of lone players, you know, if so-and-so keeps playing well, someone's going to be looking at him. Can you, can you almost like foresee... The, the the breakup of a team if you're doing well especially as a part time team yeah. and a
3: full time league no you're right it's uh, you can see it coming I, I, I knew it was coming I knew the, the, the players that the tennis just managers managers speak so mm-hmm. managers know what other players are looking for and managers say look really interested Robert Thompson for next season of talks when it we went to Morton so um, yeah you're, you're right that's is, that is the biggest problem you know but as I always say to players I and mean, Robert Thompson didn't, it's, it's a big decision he said I love it here Andy still and the players that left and I say look we want to keep you. Obviously, doesn't it? But you need to make a decision, um, and ultimately, full-time football is the biggest one. And I've never stopped a player betting myself. Mm-hmm. I've never turned and said a player, "Look, stay here for the league because such and such." If there's an opportunity to bet yourself, I'll never ever hold a player back. Um, and I, everyone um, that went full-time, I couldn't stop that. We couldn't offer full-time football, and full-time football yeah. is the best job. Whether it be a player, a manager, a coach—it's the best job in the world. Being full-time is something you love, and they get offered that, and you can't stand in the way.
0: That summer you were out of contract and I remember we spoke on a podcast way, way before COVID was even a thing, so we're talking about four years ago now, uh, where you were out of contract and I think you'd spoken to Neil Watt and he said, Now is the time mm-hmm. to basically leave, call it a day at the market your stock is so so yeah. high, now's the time to call it call it quits. No,
3: you're right, a, a lot of people said that. Um you know, and there's, there's full time team. I spoke to a couple and um, those full time teams were, were kinda of floating about because they back of the back a three season it's in two terrific seasons with Dunbarton. So you're talking about five years and things when I've not really well and managers only get five years um, to things to go so well. So my stock was probably as high as it would ever be, um, you know, but it was a big thing because I love being here. Um, I loved the people at the club, but I love the challenge of being the championship and I wanted to manage as high as I could. I always say as my start-off management, I'll try to go as high as I can. Wherever that goes, then obviously time would tell. But championship, obviously part-time manager in the championship was as high as it can go. At the to it's full time. Um, and also I had a good job at the time so I might never come round anyway so Neil was right he was looking at as in terms of your stock um, you leave then as soon as something happens next season you'll be the first person to get a job and I'm like I know but I, I, I like it here you know <laughs> it's my passion football's my what to do and, um, I don't regret it You know, it's, the, the last season was always tough but to get to the, the final and seeing so many people in Wales it, it's that made up for I just wish we could have delivered the, the, the cup final on a day. Um it wasn't to be, you know, but um, that season, season uh, had some highs as well, and there's no doubt on that, you know, but also ultimately some lows as well. How soon the
0: following season did you realise that, you know, this this wasn't gonna be like the season previous? It was gonna be a bit more of a slog that I mean it's gonna be impossible for any club at Dumbarton's level to replace the sort of quality yeah. we spoke about, but was there a, a kinda of moment where you thought, like this is this is gonna be a bit of a slog now?
3: I always thought they would have been alright. Um I didn't think it'd finish bottom which we never. Um you know, I always thought that uh, we'll, we'll be kinda of bottom two or three. Um the the, the biggest time was that when I realised that when after we came back from Wales, um I mean a, a terrific per- everything the game plan which we because you were playing against a good side that was playing Europe in the T and I mean, S were well, a terrific side, you know, and so we really had to hang in. But we knew we uh, the players that in the park on the bench that could cause them problems and um, so they kind of way you the game going, it went perfectly, obviously, scoring two terrific goals like that, um, you know, but the sort of the enjoyment after that and seeing other people down from Dumbarton um, and service stations and it was honestly it was um, uh, what a night that'll never not never leave me. But then but we, <laughs> we had to go to St Merlin this Tuesday I think been had so many games to catch up in so we had to take, to take the game because Jack was being quite clever as you do as a manager he says there'll be an, even will even win it or beat we'll get them this Tuesday because it'll be an easy for yeah. us to pick your players yeah. up from that um, so we had to take that game and I think it was like or three down after ten minutes somewhere and we lost five or six yeah. and uh, then I knew that we weren't finishing bottom and it looked like well we so many games to play in, and the boys legs were starting to go you could see that you couldn't send any players so we we, we had to figure that players that's trying to suspend, you, get them booked, to get them out the roadway, so we could try and find season strongly. The players that needed rest, had rest them. So we had to kind of give a, a few games. Well, we're we'll going to struggle here, and I, I, we just says, look, let's put our eggs in one basket and the everything right for the last. If it's playoffs, let's write for that because we kind of knew by then it's playoffs, especially after the cup final. I mean, losing the cup final was the players back up from that. Was you're never going to go and do that, you know. But we just had to get ready for the, the playoffs, you know, and uh, we thought we'd get enough to get through it. And, they probably should have, you know, we're 30 seconds away, and Liam Burke's ball goes over the crossbar and he shoots. um he's staying Championship, you know, and I thought like they're not a the partner scored. And, but I kind of knew from the kind of cup final this time that uh, we all all legs were starting to go in a team.
0: If there's one player that that season is remembered for though and your face as well. <laughs> <like>, it's <laughs> gonna be a certain Demetrius Froxilius. Yeah. Talk me about Froxy. How did you how did he end up at the club? What did you first think when you saw him in training? Because natural ability wise he was he was unbelievable. Yeah, terrific's
3: up there, but, I mean, means Sam Stanton by ability, for the ability, but but Froxy's ability was, was not in question. He'd been in the country, I think he'd done filming doing some pre season, I think he's fought about a few clubs, so his agent to being touch. And we said, we'll bring him out to train. I that's a look at him, you know, and we could see right away and a touch um, the wicked strike of the ball, You're thinking, set plays, delivery, I and mean, that's all a big part of the game. I mean, set plays, a big thing. That, I mean, he could, he could be the cutting edge. Um, we get a deal done, it was all difficult because he's coming kind of a different countries trying to get a deal done, but we got one done. And, um, It was terrific, you know, and it's bad. He had a great guy behind him, and Sam Wardrop at the time, who was up down that line, you know, and that, that covered him because it. His strength wasn't coming back. His strength mm-hmm. was going forward. So we you see you scored forward and playing, but what about the defensive side, um, which a few players did not like? I mean, but, uh, <laughs> but that's the best
2: part. about your maverick European <laughs> <laughs> attackers, is it not?
3: Absolutely, absolutely. You know, and, um traffic, you know, a great lad. You know, and um, but the somebody who goes and scores, I and mean, the the ones the one in Wales. But he scored the one at them, and, uh, yeah. and I was right behind it. And I remember looking at Jim and he was sitting there looking like, a hospitality and all that. <laughs> uh, he's not lost balance when he hit that shot, he was leaning back. I mean I the one in um by, as, as I seen a clip, I think the, I think every year that that night there's always something on, on Twitter <laughs> and you see the goal going back in and the way he hits it, you know, it's, it's terrific to see, you know, but uh, what a player, what a talent, you know, and um, I hope he's actually doing it well. It's but the moment that the free kick is hit and Kyle
0: Hutton turns round and goes <laughs> like that,
3: <laughs>
0: and that's Kyle Hutton who's played in the Premier League and played yeah. like 70-80 games uh, for Rangers, like he's played at such a high level
3: he was just like, oh my goodness. <laughs> the, 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 even Danny Handlands goal was the toughest goal as well. You know, I mean the way I mean Danny had that ability as well. You know, and it's um, he's just an force, He'd he played a, a high high level, and um, you know, but. Uh, the two goals are terrific but you're right and a free kick leaves his foot it's one of the ones I still, I still remember it um, fact, <laughs> and as soon as I went like, right I want you to go <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think, I, I I think, think he runs
1: towards it. you after he scores it but does. Andy Davies already grabbed you I must have uh, kind of hopped going is, on there
3: because uh, Andy Dowey's playing I think we put him right back that night and, yeah, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. and we're trying to get one the players to say look make sure the next five minutes there's nothing after you. Mm-hmm. so he's running towards us I think Janet comes out I'm trying to shout to players. listen, say, "Listen, it's, um, because we score goals like that, you can actually lose focus on the yeah. game because yeah. you right away because all the players' families in the crowd and my, my brother was up and my, my friends were up and um, you can see the excitement like. But I still got to finish this game off. For, I was maybe ten minutes to go in the game or something. Mm-hmm. I can't remember what it yeah. was. Um, some tries uh, on the players. And then you're thinking, right, I've still got some changes to make. Um, and I think it picked Christians he was either starting or, on, I can't remember but I remember I was can't you vote him you do want that I just can't <laughs> to him um, longest 10 minutes of my life but the final whistle went I not a feeling that was actually something I had written down because every time I
0: watched that goal I just noticed everyone's going mad and then you and Andy Dowie are having this
3: really comfort, serious conversation <laughs> <what we're> <laughs> Andy's um, Andy knows the game you know. He played a lot of games in his career and played at a good level so he understood that probably like. like Celebrate, but we've we still got, got finish this game off, you know. Mm-hmm. I was just desperate to get the one of the players to say, "Look, don't just this not lose focus," you know. And um, I think had one chance I think maybe 18s, I think well, they might score this year. But um, apart from that, I thought we would seen the game really well, you know. And with a great night. We was that night. Let's, uh, enjoy it by being <coughs> disciplined, right? It, yeah, yeah.
0: Neil Warnock. Yeah. enjoy <laughs> it, by, enjoy it by being. Word we can't say the podcast. Yeah. disciplined. Yeah. yeah. Talk me through cup final day then, because. The first thing that, or like the thing that I always forget, and then I only remember when I read through, is that Froxy played for Cyprus mm-hmm. the night before, and a game that kicked off at like seven or eight o'clock at night. Flew to Perth. Right, on, was it the following day? Flew to or flew to Edinburgh. To right flew to
1: Edinburgh.
0: Yeah, good. I think he had a connecting flight up to Edinburgh, and then came and played in that game. Yeah. As a manager, that's like your worst
3: nightmare. <laughs> It was because we knew we were going to have a tough game, Inverness were a good side and um, the games were tight against them. So we knew obviously we are going to be really up against it, you know, but we are really confident that we were we'll enough to go and win this. We thought, their name's name this trophy, we're going to go and win this. And when he came he says, look, I've been caught up, and I'm like, pfft, nightmare. <laughs> and, I, and I said, look, and I said to him, I says, look, I'm never going to start playing for your country. And I said, but likelihood, I'm are going to play, it's a friendly. Uh, we have a cup final he Spoke to his agent and he says look can we go and speak to the, the, the national um, coach and say look it's a big thing for the club it's a first time club final for so many years um, he's a top player it's a bit he has to say not like to play in our country I couldn't stop that Liam Burton was another one He's was away with Scotland on 21s as so the two players um, were flying back uh, and made it was like trains planes, automobiles cars <laughs> sitting <late laughs> to bring them up you know and also we knew we couldn't start them but if it hadn't happened that road they wouldn't have made me the bench, you know. And they bubbled up to the game. I think it was good. The training was good. Uh, we're in a good place, um, you know. And we're really confident that. And I always remember, people were saying to me, them we make a change. Make a change to win a cup final. Don't play for penalties. Or don't wait for Joe one." So I always in my mind is saying two minutes to go. This is written the style. He's, he's, he's going to win this. Come on, it's going see to be good. It's yeah. yeah. going to come on. So, and ultimately, it's it kind of cost us because obviously defending wasn't his strong point but I was what the club do they switched off and um, they got the goal but yeah it was a it was a, a terrific day the, uh, I haven't seen the supporters here the support we had that day was terrific you know, I remember walking out with the team looking and thinking wow well, we could just win this um, you know and we got take the dressing room after you could just I mean they missed a penalty I'm thinking right this is a mm-hmm. get them on let's go and win this Um and we had a couple of half chances um, but I thought the longer the game went we were, we were, they were legs were away. Uh, Kyle Hutton and Stuart Castle ran the show middle of the park they were terrific and I think then Liam Buck comes on and we bring uh, Fox on and I think right was, there's was a stone ball penalty I always say look at that it's a penalty kick a it's, it's yeah, a yeah. penalty mm-hmm. kick you know other clubs they got that. and I was really confident last 15 minutes we are going to go and win this and um, it, was, it was even the extra time within the extra time they won it We the first time they won it because their legs were gone you know and you can see that you know but um, it wasn't being it was, uh, it was, it was, we were all gutted how difficult
0: was it to lift the players after that because that the season had almost been building to that point and like, like you said I almost and it sounds like a really daft stupid thing to say but it felt like everything was written in the stars for Suns to win that the magic against TNS going further back the magic against Connors Key mm-hmm. with the last minute goal mm-hmm. we won't touch on Connors Key because I can rant and rave about them a wee bit <laughs> uh, the penalty save obviously Froxy <coughs> coming on and things like that it felt and then it was like wait a minute the fairy tale's over, mm. and then it's boom straight back to reality. And like you said, that you know the games were coming thick and fast. It the was
3: season. the, honestly, the room was after the game that the players were and gutted and um, all just all just sitting there with heads down and a silence. And well, listen, guys, but it's what a journey it was, you know. And but what can you say? You lost a cup final, and the way it was, last kick of the. See, so you lost cup final with two or three 0 It's it's never acceptable. <coughs> you might be one quicker. Because the players knew they right and this, the players knew their cell. When even even talking to him, they said, we, th- we thought we had that, we'd have won that. He says, We all thought the same, but listen, these things happen. But the th- the, I think the players that arranged to have a night out that night. Um, I think one or two went, or says, Listen, can I kind of go and he um, says, Look, just go with your families and go and do it. Well, whatever he is going to do it. And we'll see at the game on in, in Tuesday. And, um, it was sore for, for for weeks, you know, and um, he's trying to pick the players back up. Uh, it was difficult, but. Um, we gave our best shot, we rallied. Uh, you know, we'd try to get over the line, and unfortunately, just came short.
0: And it was that playoff game against Aloha. Ross Stewart, obviously, scoring the leveller who's gone on to have a phenomenal career down south with Sunderland. But that Aloha game, it was so strange because Suns almost felt comfortable in it for large, large spells. But then when you've only got a 1 0 lead, it's, it's
3: so, so dangerous. Yeah, and anything, you're right, it only takes seconds to score a goal. Um, you know, it's think Craig Barbers he's suspended for the second game so we knew he was missing one in hindsight, maybe I got him booked earlier and missed the first one play played the second one, that all right goes through your mind. Um, but when sure got would go up at Arlo and we, we actually finished it off at Allah that night with mm-hmm. two or three chances in the game that they were pushing to get back in it, I mean two or three times, we, we broke, we just scored and uh, that would have put it to bed. We were a bit more confident, that we knew they, they came at us because Arlo a good side, a lot of good players there, players that we know. Um, but we say, look if we get one to finish it off and I thought Kevin Nisbet scored um, the one at the header because um, I think we all celebrated and I'm like <laughs> how come we're going going with that um, you, you know and uh, even at last, I remember, I don't remember sure i made a challenge in the last couple of minutes and puts the ball forward and I'm shouting corner corner <laughs> and you never started but the boys right scored the goal you know and mm-hmm. I remember Walter Smith who's officer another one no longer with us coming after the game and says he hits it over the bar wide, he's got to run and get it, put it down for the bike, it's it full time. Cause I remember what I was saying the the like, fourth official, how long ago, 30 seconds, I'm like i have done it again, we've done it again, and they brought it out the park and even then we still the chances to clear it but the boys were dead in their feet there, and the boys were about the box and I can, I just, I remember leaving Ross Stewart's foot, I'm thinking, I just not one place that I can go and it's going to get in, and, but I didn't obviously that um, extra time, we'd, we just knew it was, Unforced it wasn't to be, you know, and, um, and that was it over.
0: Well, you mentioned there, who I completely almost forgot was at in that season, is Kevin Nisbet, who's gone on to do so, yeah. so well. But why do you think it didn't work for Kevin Nisbet? Because he's obviously gone on, he went on to Wraith in League One and scored a lot of goals, and basically everywhere he's been now, he's yeah. been hitting 15, 20
3: goals. It was a young lad when he came to us, you always knew there was a player there, the ability, you know, and um, terrific lad, you know, and I think we used him about four or five sessions mm-hmm. because he was that good in, in terms of general play. Um, you know, but obviously a strike you can't score goals and even a chance of a penalty kick. The thing, you know, maybe Queen of yeah. at home, and I think they'll all end up in the current golf course, now, <laughs> <laughs> which reminds them of. But terrific um, lad, um, you know. And sometimes these things happen with players. You know, it's, they, they go on loans, and uh, it's no effort. We play them every every week. Every week he played them because they really. say he was a really good player, you know, and just unfortunately he just didn't find the finishing touch. But he's not in down, terrific career, and um, he'll, he'll go on for the abs again, no doubt, and, um, and make a very good career. He said, but deserves it cause he's a very good lad and a very good trainer and great attitude and deserves everything he gets. Obviously, at the end
0: of that season, so relegation came and you stayed on as manager, was that always the plan? Did you offer to resign? Was there pressure? What was the um, situation? No,
3: like? it's, it's, I always said that at some point. Dumbarton will come out of the championship, it's, same as I'll, uh, i both will come out of it. all the part-time teams that has been in the championship, all will come out of it, uh, we have to stay for my, to kind of three years, before my time as well, so Dumbarton now five, six years, what a, a terrific run for a part-time club to compete, but at some point, you climb up the mountain, the mountain becomes too big, you can tumble one back down, you know, and it, it was maybe the right time for the club, because a lot of people don't see the finances with it, and the club are, are struggling to get something but I mean to keep finding the money to compete in the championship it's hard, hard going. You know, I mean, it's every corner you turn the clubs try to get money to to give you a budget, you go and compete. So it was to come out typically says, look, let's take stock, um I was a year left my contract at the time as well. I was I was really keen to get his back up, um, you know, and um, Ben knew it maybe took it might have took one or two years uh, to get back up, you know, establish ourselves again in League One and build the club back up. Um, so next time we're going to the Championship we can possibly try and stay a bit longer and um, that was always a plan you know, but listen these things don't work, don't work out um, we thought we could do well with players, we wanted to recruit players that played the League One um, knew how to win that division, Ross Forbes came in and um, know, a few others, Bobby Barr came in as well so we wanted wide players to play with two wingers and, to get, and get to start letting them supporters enjoy the team again, winning games every week because it's tough. And supporters are coming every weekend. It's a draw and a beat, and draw and you're picking. Or just scraping points in the championship. So I wanted to get a team that supporters would come and enjoy, watching the team again, win a lot of games, and and that, that was the season. We just every time we turned a corner, it was injury, injury. I mean, I think we'd won, sub at a couple of games. at the start yeah. of the season. So I knew then I'm like, it's it's you're hoping then the board say, so look we've been here before with you and um, obviously mm. the, the year we brought Booneg beat you we turned it around i think we just signed Dominic Thomas the week before um which obviously came um finances that i could uh, somebody helped out with um you know and i'm thinking if we get him up and running players coming back it'll be fine you know but I the club made a decision and um although at the time i was like give me let's try and get by this it, it, was, a, it was a right time to, to part ways you know it's um the club are good to me and over the years I thought I was good to the club you know and um, you move on and um, hopefully the club can get back
1: there. Do you think after the, what you've done in the championship you would earned a bit more time than you got?
3: Yeah but I understand too if it works you know it's uh, every manager will say that, that they deserve more time but other people will say no I've seen it, it's uh its, its course um, you know and not uh, respect the club and respect the board's decision This says look like just let me speak to my staff and uh, the players, but it was tough to leave, you know, it's, when I didn't address me the players, I broke down, you know, it's, um, it's a lot of players that I brought in, you know, and um, it didn't work out, and when you lose your job, You, you a lot of good people caught call, calling, the kit man was terrific, all my staff were great with me, the players were all with me, you know, I never lost a dress from there and like that, we just struggled to get players fit in the park, you know, it didn't work out, you know, and you move on, you know, it's, uh, it's good at the clubs, obviously they're down again, you know, but I'm sure Steve will blow the club back up and, and hopefully get Dunbarton back where they
0: Your interview after the Stranar game that was your last game in charge, ironically Stevie Farrell's Stranar, so if we're talking about fairy tales, well maybe that's not a fairy tale, <laughs> but it just, it felt like that was always going to be the thing that happened, but I still remember you saying, once his team gets up and running, they'll take some beating and from the end of January until me, that Dunbarton squad which Jim Duffy came in and you only really signed one or two players who became starters, David Ferguson, uh, and Brian McLean towards the end of the season Dumbarton lost twice between the end of January and the end of May do you think if you had stayed in charge that that would have been that's, that's what you could see in training was coming it was just going to take a bit of time
3: yeah uh, because Royal Lloyd was signed as well which we couldn't get he he's a lot of back but we thought if we can get him up and then um, players like you can see coming back and Don Thomas has got a terrific sign. we knew that Yeah, you know and thinking just get through the next couple of weeks, um, and we'll be fine. Always knew they would be fine that year. You know, there's too many good players um, in the squad. There's too many good uh, professionals there as well. So never, never let it get down. You know, never done that. Um, and it was good, obviously. Jim it was a good guy who I know, I know well, and um, he came in, and, but it got got the place going again. You know, and um, kept him up. So, but uh, yeah, as a manager, always turning say that. But I said that respect. The, the, the board's decision. You know, I knew the the, the supporters were can i can't find out in my, my comments it'll be all right um, you know but uh but my time here it was terrific i loved the mile of it you know I, I i wouldn't change anything apart from the cup final maybe
0: i was going to say actually just like last of all sort of summing up for me is is rory Loy because he he was brought in as dumbarton's marquee signing mm. that summer and obviously got a really bad injury i mean it was effectively a career-ending yeah. injury that must be one of your disappointments that you never got the chance to really see the Rory Loy who was scoring goals for fun in the yeah. championship.
3: Yeah, and the, before it, the season, before we were St Martin against us, it was it was terrific, you know, and um, and to push about to get him because we also wanted to try. I said I wanted to try and get not team for, I wanted the fans to come back and enjoy the football again. So when Rory Loy, goal scorer. Play with wingers, a bit a pace in the team, um, you know. And unfortunately, the mega marquee saying it didn't work out, um, you know. But um, and he was gutty as well. And he was really always gutty because he really wanted to work, you know. But he just couldn't get himself fit right because his back problems, you know. So that um, was disappointing, you know. But um, yeah, I these not force something. And just lastly then,
0: obviously you, you'll still be close with Stevie Farrell, you'll still keep an eye on Dumbarton's results. How impressed have you been by this season? Because that's again, relegation and sticking with the same manager and it's a matter of bouncing back.
3: It's good the club done that, you know, it's I, I feared for Stevie last year because I came to the playoffs, um, I came to a couple of games last season, Now um, they went up through Edinburgh and they played and, they, and I, they were, even then I says, I say phoned him after and I'm like, I actually still think he's a win this time because although... Usually, poor that night. I thought Henry Bissett were poor as well. And I said, uh, Get the first goal at Dumbarton. I says, I think you'll beat them. Um, you know, but he, he suffered. I mean, it, it, the club made a decision and, and not kept them. The Greaser made that decision. They, 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 the Dumbarton were looking to get relegated that year. I know Stevie was proud of what he, what he wants to achieve in football. You know, he was disappointed, you know, but it's good that the club gave him that. Um, Stevie's a good guy, he's passionate. He loves again, game um, you know and I'm sure he's like how get them Barton uh, back to what well, I see the best part time team in Scotland and uh, hopefully I can do that well fingers crossed
0: you're right fingers crossed you're a lucky <laughs> Charm Dean here as well I <laughs> hope so I'm invited back <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> so no Stevie thank you very much for joining us it's much appreciated
3: enjoyed it thank you cheers